isn't it? They're, they're scary. H. Penis Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Well, should we start it and then uh, talk about the top news of the day? <laughs> what top news? Oh, uh, well, we'll get, we'll get to that here in a second. Listeners, you are listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where three friends get together and talk about a horror movie which we will spoil. First, we'll talk about Recently Watched, which we will try not to spoil. We're not professional critics. We're just guys who draw stuff and do things and watch movies, so don't expect that, uh, that snotty critic thing and uh, or professionalism on any level. Yeah, no gloss. No, yeah, no gloss at all. And uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Find their music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you could buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are chewing the scenery on Instagram and Facebook. That is housekeeping. We are your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian. Hello. And Will. Hello. So, guys, top news of, well, a week ago, but we had an unexpected week off. No explanations, right? Um, Rob Zombie's going to direct the Monsters movie. Yes. Will, what do you think? Um, why? <laughs> what do you think? First of all, who's he going to cast as Lillian? <laughs> Is there Ooh. any question? Really? You think Lillian? Because I'm thinking... No, I guess that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. Uh... Yeah, I don't have anything to say about this. No? No. Now, Sounds like garbage. The, but is it is it sacred ground he's trodden no. upon? It's garbage that he's making. He's remaking garbage. <laughs> so you're not fond of the original Monsters, is what uh, you're saying? It was okay, but I don't get the whole love that everybody seems to have of it. It's like... It is silly. Uh, yeah, it's silly, but it's like any of those 60s shows that were kind of high-concept comedies. I'm not really fond of any of them. Yeah. I don't actively dislike any of them, but at the same time, it's, you know, if he announced he was remaking Gilligan's Island, I'd feel about the same. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Or I Dream of Genie, or any of those shows, except for My Mother, The Car. Oh, Yes. That that was the height of art. Yeah. <laughs> Jolian, do you have any strong feelings about... Yeah, same way. as I, I didn't watch the show much. No. I well, watched them, and it just... It's a lot like Dr. Seuss. People have this real fondness of Dr. Seuss. Yeah. And I'm just like, whatever. Even, you know, even when I was a little kid, I knew the Munsters was silly. Oh, certainly. I, I didn't think it was anything to be taken seriously, and uh, nor would you. But but I knew it wasn't good. I knew that everyone acting was overacting and and everything was over the top and ridiculous. But I think you just watch it because it's the closest thing to a universal horror movie that you could watch on. A, you watched it because you had three channels. Yeah. <laughs> I, Maybe, wa- I watched uh, Months to Go Home the movie yeah that's pretty bad isn't it yeah and rob zombie did the commentary for it oh he did yes i should probably watch it just to hear what he has to say like does he say stuff like would i have been the director this is what i'd have done i've i don't have the disc okay but um and you know obviously he's a monster fan from way back well sure you know his his 1998 hit was dragula 
Mm, and that's yeah. about uh, Herman's drag racing stint. Yep. It's funny how many uh, different uh, professions or uh, different jobs or whatever that uh, people would land in, even like the Flintstones. Yeah. You'd end up in a lot of different uh, situations. Usually some get-rich-quick scheme Barney cooked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always like when, when there's some somehow the um, uh, they have to try to do two different things and there's no time to sleep. I like when sleep deprivation t- uh, plays into a plot. That's, yeah. always, that's always fun. Usually it was uh, quicksand. But by the time the seventies rolled around, I made a note some at one of the um I think it was uh, uh race with the devil. I think I, I made a note that uh rattlesnakes became a bigger concern in the seventies mm. than uh quicksand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People were carrying ropes with them at that point. <laughs> Grappling hooks so they could long get branches. the more <laughs> long branch, yeah. <laughs> right. Just a really long two by four. Yeah. You hold under both arms, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You fall in, you know, it catches the sides. Yeah. You know, uh, you could have inflatable water wings. But then the animals turned on us in the 70s, and we got killer bees and rattlesnakes. Rabbits. And <laughs> yeah, grizzly <laughs> bears and rabbits. Giant rabbits, too, mm-hmm. not just the regular sized. Night of the Lepus. Oh, that was a good one. Giant bunnies. Wow. So. Still uh, can't believe that movie got made. It didn't. It's all a dream. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you told me that, I'm not sure I would not believe it. Dr. McCoy fighting giant killer rabbits. I mean, it's, Sign it's, me up. It's just not real. Yeah. Yeah. So, so DeForest who? Kelly scene. I didn't even have to read it. <laughs> I want a part of it. Uh, so, so. I hated bunnies since that episode of Star Trek. <laughs> it is terrible. Um, so other than uh, the obvious, he's going to cast his wife as Lillian. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Who do you think he could get to play Herman? Is he going to get some like nine foot tall wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to bring Taylor Maine back around. Mm-hmm. Probably. We're going to see Herman's gritty childhood. Yeah. Living in a trailer. Yeah. With his stripper mom and her deadbeat boyfriend. Smacks them around a bunch. I don't know if they could do that. I, I you know, you said Lillian. I was thinking of uh, oh, Marilyn. Oh, because, is who he's going to cast his wife as because she's way too old to play Marilyn. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what would happen. You know, and she's the quote normal one, but yeah. he'll play it up because she won't be the normal one now. She'll be something. And if they're all from Transylvania, why do they not have accents? Hmm. En- enough about the monsters. You know, if they could do a <laughs> really bad CGI'd Al Lewis, uh, like, uh, like uh, what's his name from Rogue One? Oh, yeah. Peter Cushing? Yeah. Yeah, I might watch it just to see how horrible it would be. <laughs> do you think they're going to be, like, trashy and foul-mouthed? Yeah. Uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Herman, Herman, you motherfucker. I could just imagine that. Oh, man. Oh, God. Well, enough about the monsters. Daddy's chasing a fat, naked woman down the street. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So that was the uh, Rob Zombie Hour. <laughs> right. Join us next week. I'm just stalling because I didn't really watch much recently. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. I, hope you guys, I hope you guys did. Yeah. Well, you want to go? Jolian? Yeah, we, we had uh, one team of plumbers came in last week. And uh, my, you know, I got my studio set up in the cellar and mm-hmm. where the uh, access to the pipes Oh, of course. Is. So everything had to be moved, covered in sheets and stuff. Once I'd done all that myself uh, and cleaned it all up for them, they said they came in and they looked at it and they said, oh, we can't do this. We'll have to get another team. So, uh, so my studio's oh, out of action. For uh, another week. For another week. So I'm getting some movie time in. Well, that's tell, good. Tell us some of it. Okay. Well, uh, which movie are we doing this week? Oh, Psycho Gorman. Psycho Gorman. Okay. 
And next week we're doing um, Silence, Silence of the, the Lambs. Lambs. So uh, I, I watched uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins' movie called Magic from 1978. Yes. Have you seen this one? I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I saw it ages ago, but it came back around. And... Yeah. Yeah, I saw it within the last six or eight months. Yeah, really good. It is very good. Uh, Richard Attenborough directed it. Um, screenplay novel by William Goldman. Oh, all right. It was really well written. Um Anthony Hopkins is uh, Corky Withers, who's this uh, aspiring <laughs> magician, and his act is just failing because he's got no stage charisma, really. Yeah. And uh, but then uh, he takes a year off. He gets an agent who's played by Burgess Meredith. Comes back and uh, he starts doing his act again, and it's 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 bombing again. And then someone starts yelling at him from the back of the audience, and uh, so he. he he gets really angry, goes into the audience, and he comes back carrying this dummy. And uh, this dummy is called Fats, and it's this foul-mouthed dummy. Um, he's insulting him, like, uh, you know, mocking his act and stuff. Uh, and it goes over great, and he becomes this big star, and Burgess Meredith is playing him up. But, of course, uh, all is not right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is, like, a really good... Uh, you know, ventriloquist horror movie because the dummy's not it's not made to look like a monster it's just like a regular dummy yeah so it's, it's really creepy and uh, uh, yeah it's, it's just a really well done movie around it um, and he's a reflection of all the all the problems and flaws of the ventriloquist which either you have an actual evil dummy or you can't tell but you but you're guessing it's an evil dummy or, you know, the person's off, completely off their rocker, and the dummy is just an inanimate thing that does nothing. Yes. So I have to I, stop I'm... you with the evil dummy, because <laughs> is there a good dummy? You know... Aren't they just dummies? This, this is the thing, right? Uh, can anybody name a ventriloquist-centered uh, movie or episode of a TV show? <laughs> Where everything's just dandy, everything's normal, and nothing bad happens. There must have been a high-concept crime-solving TV series from the Ooh, 70s. Charlie McCarthy, <laughs> Mystery Hour. Does but, Small Wonder count? Uh, kind of does, but that girl could not act her way out of a wet paper bag. She was a robot. Yeah, okay. Robots She's, aren't very good actors. This, this is true. Um, did I ever tell you guys that the ventriloquist who used to open for Don Ho uh, lived in my building in Hawaii? Really? Yeah, he was uh, a guy named Freddie Morris. And he, I, I don't remember what floor he was on, but I was on the third floor, which meant pretty much everybody uh, got on the elevator before me if they were heading down to the lobby. And uh, I got to know him a little bit from the building and from the print shop where I worked because he used to always print off these... Uh, collages of tv shows he had appeared in and uh you know when they would do an episode of anything in the late 70s through all of the 80s early 90s whatever he was the guy yeah jake and the fat man things like that probably magnum pi all that stuff that was you know when they would do an episode in hawaii or if the show was based there eventually freddie morris would end up i knew the fat man was a ventriloquist dummy (laughs) (laughs) it's like three guys inside there 50 yards of cable. <laughs> yeah. Jab of the hut. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> right. I work the jaw. What the tail. <laughs> yeah. He told me a funny story about Evander Holyfield. He, he, said, he said he used to keep a super soaker behind his chair. And if somebody anywhere in the first row or two got up while he was doing a bit to go use the bathroom, he would uh, soak their chair. He would just like, he, he was a really good shot. And I guess he did this and everyone laughed. And then uh, Evander Holyfield got up. And I think he was the heavyweight champion of the world at the time. Headed to the bathroom. And I guess he reached behind his chair. And then he goes, if you think I'm going to soak his chair, you're out of your damn minds. (laughs) I thought that was pretty neat. That was straight from Freddie himself. Well, all right. Yeah. So, Julian, what else? Uh, Yeah, uh, Anne Margaret's in it as well. She's Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, uh, Jerry Goldsmith doing the score. Yes. So uh, I think this film gets a bit lost because you think 1978 horror films, it's Halloween, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah. 
but check out magic. And it's, uh, it's, I mean, I've not seen it, but the the concept itself seems a little a little old fashioned for yeah. even 1978. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's it's. I'll watch it. I'm sure it's a good movie. But. I, I, I think I I know there's lots of acts now which have foul mouthed ventriloquist. Yes, dummies, yes. But I uh, don't think it was. I think it was new back then. Yeah, exactly. So but yeah, it was just a really really well done film. Uh, oh, um, the amusement park. You saw that? Oh, that's what I Did went you see to it watch. Okay. No, no, I don't think I saw that one. This is. Well, go ahead. <clears throat> it's your story. Uh, yeah, it's like it's a George Romero lost film. Yeah. Oh. Um, he made it for the Lutheran Church right. <laughs> about the uh, dangers of elder abuse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I they, wish they I could have sat in when they right. they were given the film. Yeah. yeah. So who, who we who are we going to ask to make a documentary about the problems of aging? Hey, let's go with the guy who did Not the Living Dead. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, is um, so it starts off. He's got his like his main actor uh, do it does his straight up introduction, and it's it's pretty standard documentary stuff. Um, what was his name? Did I write it down? Probably not. Um, anyway, uh, and then it it goes into the actual film, and it gets uh, it's obviously that this this allegory set in an amusement park and mm-hmm. and you have this man walking around and uh, he's encountering indifference abuse people ripping off old people um and it gets like more and more nightmarish and it's got all the all the uh techniques that george romero has at his disposal his editing his angles uh the uh, crossing of sounds and uh, oh man, uh, it's got a good score. It's, you know, it's, it's all his usual team. You can see Bill Hinsman in it. Uh, George Romero's in it himself. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's about fifty minutes long. Most of our listeners will recognize Bill Hinsman's name as the guy who's the first zombie ever in Night of the Living Dead. Yes, the the uh, cemetery zombie. Um, but- I can't believe I forgot to watch that. Yeah, it's uh, it's up on Shudder. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's pretty intense. Yeah, uh, I told Eugenia about it, and she was really excited because she's become quite the Romero fan. Right. So. Oh, here, yeah, his name's uh, Lincoln Marcel. Um, you'll recognize him from Martin. He's the he's the fellow with the white beard. I was going to say, that oh, yeah. name's familiar. Yeah. Um, and he's also the man in white in Martin. <laughs> so, lucky he is in this film. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, if you can take it, it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, I watched, uh, I watched a, yet another version of, uh, uh, you know, the most dangerous game. Uh-huh. Um, so this was a, uh, what was it? Cornell Woolrich? Uh-huh. Oh no, Richard Cornell. Um, uh, he wrote this story, most dangerous game. Basically the setup is, uh, People get uh, wrecked off an island, and the there's a castle on the island, and the, there's a fella who owns the castle. Um, he's uh, uh, Count Zaroff, and uh, in the uh, in the original, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, people realize pretty quickly that he's uh, he's hunted everything there is on the planet, and he's after the most dangerous game. Game, you know an animal which has wits and cunning and bravery and and you can pretty guess where where it's going to go uh uh i think these films really push the limit as far as the senses were concerned is this the one with ice tea in it what this is an old one oh no 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 (laughs) there's a remake there have been dozens of versions of this and he's in one of them isn't he yes Uh um but yeah it's always the same setup and it's always like it's such a Uh there's a concept is so good I like it. Um, so this one was uh, to on amazingly the original King Kong. While they're waiting for that to be uh, to go ahead, mm-hmm. they knocked off the most dangerous game, the first movie version. Oh, okay. and it's still the best. It's brutal. Uh, really well done. I and can see uh, they even use uh, footage from from it in this version. So. Um, uh, this one was called Bloodlust from 1959. Oh, I was going to 
ask if you'd seen Bloodlust. Yeah. Yeah, and there's uh, there's another late 50s one called Terror is a Man, uh, which is a Filipino one. I've not seen that one. Um, but anyway, uh, the Filipino version that crosses it with the island of Dr. Moreau. Yes, yeah. I've always thought those two should go together. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, yeah, yet another version of the most dangerous game. It's got a surprising amount of gore in it. Um, yeah. Uh, in this case, the uh, the madman is Dr. Bellow, who's played by Wilton Graf. And uh, June Kenny is this judo-trained teen. And she's also the smartest in the bunch of people who get washed up in the island. Um she was in uh, Attack of the Puppet People. Uh, Robert Reed, who plays the dad in the Brady Bunch, uh-huh. is one of the one of the victims. Uh, uh, let's see, um, Lillian Chavin, who is in Silent Night, Deadly Night, is also in the in the group. Um, this this one's pretty standard, but you know, as I say, is there's surprising gore in it. Yeah, it is. There's, there's a bit where uh, the a couple of the the kids. Uh, they they find the secret passage down into the caverns, mm-hmm. and there's always rooms off the cavern, and they 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 hear someone coming and they hide, and you realise what this room is is the preparation of the victims because he likes to taxidermise his victims mm, and display yeah. them. So it, he, he's got his like vat of acid, and uh, the, the henchman comes in, and he's 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 been like processing all these bits. So there's like these arms. There's like he pulls out this like. Uh, skin off someone's head it's like wow 1959 yeah um uh, it was actually released eventually in 1961 they didn't oh okay right away that might be the problem you know having yeah uh watched uh, king of kong island because i have to see everything kong related (laughs) uh 1968 this is uh directed by robert morris aka roberto mari who did um uh, slaughter of the vampires um, so basically, uh, uh, there's this mercenary who leads a team into the jungle and, uh, they come across, uh, Eva, who's this, uh, woman who's been living in the jungle for a long time. So it's got that kind of white goddess trope going as well. <laughs> nice. Um, you got, uh, uh, Again, you've got like a, a mad doctor, a mad surgeon, um, played by Mark Lawrence, who was in Asphalt Jungle, and okay. he's he's like he's a gangster you know, character actor. Yeah, I think he's in Diamonds of Forever as well. Um, so he's been experimenting on apes, and uh, and they mysteriously turn into men wearing gorilla suits. Wow! And uh, yeah, it's. Um, there's so this is called King of Kong Island. Uh, there is no king. There is no Kong. Uh, there's no island. Oh, it's all set in Nairobi. What? Uh, what? Uh, or, or around the, the jungles around Nairobi. So uh, yeah. <laughs> so it fails to deliver on, on any part of its title. I guess on a certain scale, Africa <laughs> could be an island. <clears throat> yeah, any continent is an island if you really want to. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I watched another Czech uh, science fiction film. This uh, Bilanimoc. I'm probably getting that wrong. This is from 1937. So 1937. Imagine what's going on in Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Yeah. And they're making a movie. Yeah. This is the year before they get annexed by uh, Germany. Right. And uh, so this this film, you've got uh, Doctor Galen, who has the cure for this disease called uh, Mor- Morbus Chengi. Uh, aka Chengi's disease hmm. so it's got its Chinese disease name and it's also called the white disease hmm. because people break out in white spots but uh, I'm thinking you know you might as well call it white fragility white fragility oh, yeah. um, wow. uh, it, and he's in this country which has been taken over by this dictator so obviously you know it, it's not subtle yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, uh, so the, he, he refuses to treat the one... He's got the cure for it, but he refuses to treat the 1% unless they give up war, which is not going to happen. Right. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a great print. 
um, for a 1937 film. Uh, it's very topical, uh, but there's lots of scenes of uh, Dr. Galen and someone else debating. Mm. It's uh, it's not it's not poetic enough about it. It's not obtuse enough about mm. the subject matter. Um, so it gets it gets pretty dull. Um, anyway, uh, I watched a bunch of silent films, like really early. Oh, excellent. Horror films. I think one of the first subgenres of horror films must be uh, sausage exploitation. Because <laughs> there's like, there's like, I, mean, I must have seen four or five movies where someone has a machine where they stick dogs down a funnel and then out come sausages in, in one shot. Okay. That's really weird. Uh, because at the time, like turn of the last century, uh, the rumor was that uh, if you were buying meat from unscrupulous people it's probably animals yeah. kicked off the streets that's where hot dogs come from uh-huh oh okay um the the expression anyway yeah so yeah i watched a bunch of those um there's one uh one called dog factory where they uh they <laughs> they can not only stick the dogs in and process them into sausages they can reverse the process so they can put sausages in and pull out pull dogs? Li- living dogs wow and so uh, people come in and they're shopping for dogs and he has like hooks all around the shop and uh there's links of sausages on each hook and they're all labeled by what breed of dog <laughs> Made from, so you just pick the kind of dog you want, stick the sausages in the machine, what? and out comes a dog. <laughs> the hell! Wow. Yep. What year was this? Uh, nineteen oh four. Okay. Man. So, yeah, YouTube has a bunch of silent oh, yeah. films. Sometimes yeah. we're reminded like how sophisticated and intelligent people of past decades or centuries were. And then you spring something like this on us and make me think, nah, they were just a bunch of simple-minded dumbasses who were easily entertained by outlandish stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you talk about, like, uh, people talk about how tasteless movies have become and such. No. No. It's not new. No. no. We had censorship, which kind of pulled things back. Yeah. But humans didn't change. No. No. As soon as you could do... Something with a thing, man uses it for porn. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was like uh, two weeks after the invention of, I, I think I read um, about two weeks after the invention of motion pictures, it was the first porno. Yeah. Wow, it took him two weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Me make picture with rock on cave wall. Ooh, draw boobies. something about the power of being able to capture something. You know, your mind immediately goes to like the filthiest, dumbest, uh-huh. scariest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, God bless him. Uh, Twenty thousand leagues under the sea, nineteen sixteen. Oh uh, wow! This is about the third version of it. Um, I think George Meares did mm. a version of it. Um, but anyway, uh, this is uh, the nineteen sixteen version is uh, um, the first movie ever which had underwater photography. Oh wow! So the uh, uh, Williamson brothers had to come up with a camera that could actually take underwater and film the scenes. Yeah, that's cool. Um, this one gets uh, less and less faithful to the novel the further it goes on. Um, so you you have um, Nemo and his daughter, uh, but at least they're they're both uh, Hindi. Oh, as in the novel. That's, yeah. That usually wow, gets, that's uh, rare. Uh, they're both blackface. Oh, but. Um, you know, he, he so he he is actually Prince Dhaka, and they do much more of his background in this movie. Wow, Rob, Rob Zombie style. Whereas he's, <laughs> he's he's like caught up in this revolution in his homeland against the uh, the the Brits. Um, throws in Mysterious Island at the end, uh-huh. uh, mixes it all up, and has uh, uh, there's this uh, guy named his white his white guy named Charles Denver, and he. Uh, he he runs off with the princess of Dakar, uh, Nemo's daughter, and uh, tries to rape her. Actually, he does rape her. Um, and then he, he gets uh, haunted by a ghost and uh, turns up on Mysterious Island looking for the, the girl and uh, to have his wicked way with her again. Um, 
so uh yeah it just gets further and further away from the novel i say i don't remember ghost but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's been a long time yeah, maybe there were there's lots more sexual assault and, and ghosts in this version that yeah you, you get in the novel um all right, uh, The Flight That Disappeared, 1961. This is basically a feature-length Twilight Zone. Oh, nice. Uh, but not officially. Um, so they, they, uh, the idea is uh, uh, the plane takes off and it's flying coast to coast. And as it approaches Denver, um, it mysteriously keeps climbing and gets higher and higher beyond what jets can operate in and what people can breathe in. And... Uh, um, so there's this, you know, Twilight Zone sort of things happen. I won't give away. Uh, it's got Meg Willie in it, who's, uh, if you, you can recognize her from the very first Star Trek pilot, The Cage. She's one of his mm. aliens. Mm, okay. Um, uh, I read a, lot, read a few reviews of it. Most people are really bored with it. I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> it felt like Twilight Zone to me. Uh, another silent, uh, Himoskibet, or The Skyship. 1917 yeah this is weird because it's a danish film made in 1917 you you think they were busy doing something else at the time yeah but anyway um so you've got a ship called the excelsior which is a combination airship biplane which can fly in space and uh wow. <laughs> so they, they take off uh, head for mars and uh, it looks like um midsummer uh it was women in like flowery <laughs> oh, okay you know uh, things around their heads and and uh, long flowing white robes and stuff, um, and uh, uh, within five minutes of landing, the Earth people have introduced them to um, uh, booze, firearms, and grenades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a really good looking print. Um, the the, the uh, it's one of the one of those silent movies where the men always de- declaim stuff. They can't just say something. They have to like raise their fist and like yeah <laughs> pronounce something. Um, you uh, you got this woman named Corona. Uh, uh, she's she's this Earth girlfriend who's left behind, and she always looks like she's about to have a nervous breakdown. She's always throwing herself from furniture because her boyfriend's up up in Mars. Um, but uh, yeah, it was quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, uh, Walker Crooked Mile, nineteen forty-eight. Gordon Douglas film noir. Have you seen that one? Walker. Yeah, I've seen Walker. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's, it's in the kind of uh, mode of T Men. It's a sort of procedural. Yeah. Um, you you have another one of those torture scenes where they they get one of the undercover buddies and they're torturing. Oh him. yeah. Uh, yeah, in T Men, that gets really horrible. But. Um, yeah, this one, this one's good. It's uh, it, it looks really good. It's got really good uh, lighting and uh, photography. Uh, Lewis Hayward, who played the saint, the original saint. Oh, okay. And uh, Dennis O'Keefe, mm-hmm. uh, one of the heroes. Raymond Burr is one of the villains. You might be surprised Again. to hear. <laughs> um, so the Scotland Yard and the FBI team up to stop uh, uh, these formulas leaking from the nuclear research uh, base. Um, yeah, that one's a good one. Uh, game of Death, another version of Most Dangerous Game. Ah. Nine forty-five. This is directed by Robert Wise. Okay. While he was fresh off of uh, working with the Val Luton team, so you've got all these great shadows and uh, I, I, it's um, it's not particularly strong, and they, they had to tone it down a lot because it's the forties. It was you know, yeah. the, the codes were in effect. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't get that that violent or gory. They they use footage from the original version, um, and they use Noble Johnson, who was in the original version, and they even use Fay Ray's scream from the original version. Wow! Um, uh, you get Edgar Barrio as uh, Eric Krieger, and this time he's like obviously a Nazi, uh, and he's he's running this island. Uh, um, it's a very classy production, good looking. Um, it's just not as savage as the original yeah uh, uh, yeah I think I'll stop there for this week alright All right. Will how about you well uh, I watched uh, a uh, new show called uh, Invincible which Invincible. is a uh, 
cartoon on Amazon. Uh, Robert Kirkman, who did Walking Dead, is the writer. I don't know. It's kind of, uh, although I watched all eight episodes fairly rapidly, so I must have liked it enough <laughs> to finish it. Um, it felt a little bit like a poor man's Watchmen, uh, kind of a a gritty take on superheroes. It's a little more colorful than maybe Watchmen, in a way. In a way, uh, I'm not sure how jokey it is. Sometimes they have little jokes, and you're like, "Is this supposed to be funny?" But then other times there's like horrific gore. Mm, okay, hmm. so the tone is a little all over the place. Uh, it could probably move a little quicker. Like, we, we only get eight, eight episodes, and uh, uh, I'm not spoiling anything, but uh, a kid, I, I think he's 17, uh, Mark Grayson, realizes he, well, his dad is like Superman, and he's finally gotten his powers. His dad is an alien, like Superman, and they go around the galaxy saving people and helping planets. And, uh, but then... Sound like a bunch of hippies. Dad snaps <laughs> and kills the Justice League in this world called, uh, something, the Global Guardians or something, Guardians of the Globe or something. Um, and you're left wondering most of the way through till maybe the last episode, what exactly is going on with him? Um... Obviously setting it up for Mark to have to fight his dad at some point because his dad is like Superman. He's unbeatable. Uh, luckily, Mark is invincible and he's uh, he can take a real beating and he does. He's uh, <laughs> he's not great at fighting at first. So um, it, I don't know. Uh, it's entertaining on one hand. On the other hand, you're kind of like, hmm. Is this anything new? Is this? Did we need another kind of gritty Justice League sort of Superman gone bad story? Um, I suppose I'll tune in for the next season. So is each episode's like an hour. Yeah, they're about an hour long. Um, there's a couple. I mean, the the thread that they do a good job of tying everything together because you get a couple episodes in the about the middle that you're like hmm this feels kind of like a filler monster of the week episode which is strange to do on a cartoon because that's a lot of money to (laughs) you know it's it's not quite like trying to fill 26 episodes in a season you know 20 years ago um but they do bring that stuff back around so I, i mean the plotting's well the acting's pretty good uh, it's just kind of a do we need another one I think I prefer the boys a little more um, it's a little more satirical yeah Garth Ennis is good at doing those hyper violent mm-hmm. yeah and comedies. I think they've actually improved upon his stuff on the boys because sometimes I read the boys and I felt I don't think I ever finished it but I felt a lot of times it was like oh this is just shocking to be shocking this is Garth Ennis being you know Garth Ennis he kind of revels in that yes. you know like oh I'm disgusting you know <laughs> isn't this shocking isn't this shocking um and I think the TV show the boys has made it a little more satirical and a little more tied to to current events and it makes it a little more palatable instead of just being Oh, isn't this shocking? It's like this is mm. shocking because this is happening, or this you know references something else. Uh, moving on, um, we watched uh, uh, a show called uh, Jeremy Clarkson's Farm. He's a host from Top Gear. Oh God, a uh, mm. British guy who yeah. I thought was in his seventies, but he says he's only fifty nine. <laughs> Um, he bought like all of the Cotswolds to for a farm at some point because he's got more money than God and no sense. Um, so he has this big farm and he decides that he is going to farm it. Um, he's about 60 years old, he's never been a farmer. Um, and it's just him trying to 
get this, you know, thousand acre farm going. Um, and they get hit by rain, which I guess this was 2019. So they had big floods there. And, uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I have to have all the crops in by such and such date in October. And it's like six weeks later, the rain stopped, you know, and they show people's farms are just like, just lakes. It's bananas. Yeah. Yeah. Start smaller, dude. You know, but he's, he's an entertaining sort of guy. He's kind of cranky and, you know, um, the review I read about it was like, despite my better judgment, I'm enjoying Jeremy Clarkson's farm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we watched some Star Trek, uh, still in season three, but we've, we've slowed it to one a week. Because we're running out of episodes. We want to savor it. A little bit, yeah. We don't want to just burn through them so quickly. Um, um, I think that's about all that I've watched um, other than Psycho Gorman and Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting something, but... Yeah. Well, something will jar your memory. Uh, for me, I watched a couple episodes of The Mosquito Coast, the uh, the television series. This is, um, again, uh, it, it's, it's good drama. It's good, uh, you know, I guess you could call it crime drama and suspense. And I think we have gotten through episode five out of the seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to get really interesting. It, it's, it's going places with these, you know, with these characters and their journey. And, and I believe it's going to be multiple seasons to get them to where they're going to be, according to the book and the movie adaptation of the book. Um, again, this is one with Justin Theroux and Melissa George and a couple of kids who are really good actors. Um, definitely recommending this one. And uh, I just wanted to, I think it's Apple TV where you have to watch this. And we ended up with a, a free some number of months of it or a year of it for something we bought for work. Mm. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, and uh, Clarice, which is a great go with for mm. our movie next week. A um, couple more episodes of Clarice. And then just some other, you know, television, late night shows. Um one by one, the late night talk shows, the comedy shows are uh, coming back to live studio audiences, which is exciting. Yeah. So if you, I think Seth Meyers is the last one who's holding out. Um, and that could have something to do with NBC. But uh, CBS seems fine. ABC seems fine. So, uh, you know, like James Corden's back, Stephen Colbert is back. So I like to watch those. And I think, uh, I think that's about for recently watched uh i don't have any movies we were doing a lot of projects in the house for the last week and uh, my brother is in from out of town as a working vacation and we just tore things apart and built things and assembled things and it was a busy week so that being said uh i did make time for psycho gorman and will you chose this one from shutter it was without having watched it I had not watched it, but now, I had watched a review of it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard about this movie maybe six months ago. Yeah. Um, I wanted to watch it then, but as I said, it was like twelve ninety nine or something to rent, and I didn't feel like making anybody rent what could be a flop for twelve ninety nine. You know, that's, that price point's kind of a big fat no, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. It's stopped me from a couple things now. That yeah. It's been like, no, I don't want to pay, you know, $15 for Aqua Slash. Right. I know now that I should have because it's worth <laughs> the $15. Buy it for that <laughs> what, what are they going to put at the Steelbook version of that oh, one? It's going to come on a whole box set with like a bunch of movies, you know? It'll be like... <laughs> Eight movies. <laughs> water, watery horror or something. Yes. Yeah. Number 42 is uh, on disc, you know, 11 here is Aqua Slash, and right. it's a terrible copy. <laughs> right. So you picked Psycho Gorman, and you didn't want to pay a movie ticket price. 
So, so I just I just kept it in the back of my mind, and then going through Shutter, which I do on occasion. Um, I saw it. I was like, oh, that's my next pick. Now this is the third of your picks in a row about kids with pits. I know. Yeah. I don't understand this. What's going on, Will? I don't get it. <laughs> is there some unresolved issue from your childhood? I don't think so. I think it may be uh, Shutter got a whole bunch of films. That... Should we check your garden? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Tell us again about that, s- that swimming pool in New Mexico that was filled in. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I really want somebody to write a movie centered around that. <laughs> I think it'd just be a scene. Yeah, it they would... go to a hotel and there's that pools filled in with sand. Yeah. Hmm. So when you do that, do you put some chairs and you that's know, yes, some, yeah, you put some chairs around it, cocktail tables. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 You just pretend it's the beach minus the water part. Yeah, we don't need the water. No, no, it's too much trouble. So, Psycho Gorman, what did you think now? You, now that you've gotten to see it, uh, it was. Uh, better an idea yeah. than an execution yeah uh, maybe if it had been like 20 minutes long mm. 25 minutes long it would have been pretty funny that little girl is a champ i like yes <laughs> i did like her scenery chewing she she, she just went for it mm-hmm. she did i enjoy that <laughs> much more than a subdued oh man. or wooden performance so you just go for it yeah nita josie hannah you know, um, there were bits I liked, uh, you know, um, but mostly I just felt like it was kind of a one-note joke that went yeah. on a little long. I felt the joke every time was uh, someone says something like glorious, and then the kids torpedo it. Right, right. So over and over and over and over. Yeah. I thought, I also thought that it... it kind of spun its wheels and didn't go anywhere yeah, yeah what and was i about? yeah i thought a better a better story would have been at some point they show him playing the drum psycho gorman <laughs> and i'm like they should have done a battle of the bands at the end mm. and he has i don't know he's fighting people you could have that going on off stage while he's got to get on to you know play the big drum solo at the end or whatever and also, I would have let the little girl say fuck. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have let her say it right away, but I would have let it saved it for the very end for her song. Yeah. Yeah. So we we meet the, the characters uh, of the brother and sister when they're playing Crazy Ball. Yes. Uh, I couldn't... like Calvin Ball. I, I don't think I know that one either, but... Um... Uh, did you never read Calvin and Hobbes? Uh, I did. He well, played a game that was a lot like that. Okay. You just basically the rule was you make up the rules as you go. Oh, I think they did that on an episode of Friends too. They had a probably they had a game called Cups. Hmm. So, uh, we meet the brother and sister. And Friends would have been improved by a big evil alien overlord <laughs> instead of that damn monkey that they had for the first season. I think instead of Joey. <laughs> if it was Psycho Gorman. Yeah, they could still use Matthew LeBlanc, just you know, put him in makeup. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. How you doing? <laughs> I could see that. So uh so when did it start to fall apart? How many minutes into the movie do you think it was before you recognized this wasn't gonna go where you needed it to go? Mm, I don't know if there was any one moment where it where it sort of fell apart it was just at some point you look at your watch and you go hmm this has been going on a while and it's not going anywhere it's not building to anything and then it was over Mm. it it kind of builds uh suddenly and without warning to where it's like okay now we see this creature at a the typical setting, the abandoned warehouse or whatever. And we've got some homeless guys or some criminals or whatever they were. Uh, they could be both. You know, there's, I'm not saying those things are mutually exclusive, but uh, we, we see these guys and we're like, okay, they're, they're kind of like, for whatever reason, trying to square off with this monster. 
which I don't understand why you don't run like hell, but they end up getting completely splattered, like not just dispatched by this guy, but eviscerated by him, this, this by Psycho Gorman. We learn shortly after that the little girl, having grabbed that blinking ruby gem thing, that um, she has control of him. You know, she tells him to clap his hands or whatever it is she tells him to do first, and he does it. And she's such... Is she a psychopath? Can, can we call her what we think she is? Yeah, she's a psychopath. Is she just a sociopath or is she a psychopath? Does she have any any regards? What's the difference between sociopath and psychopath? Is one like amateur level and the other like professional? <laughs> yeah, I think I think when you like turn... you graded up and you got some sponsorships and now you're stabbing people for Cheerios or yeah, you got the ju- <laughs> yeah, you got the jumpsuit with all the patches on it. And, yeah. yeah, I think the um, the rule of thumb in in popular culture is a sociopath is uh, just has no feelings for anyone else, and the psychopath gets off and stuff. So yeah, an American yeah. in, and in uh, terms of like, a super American. <laughs> in, in actual psychological terms, it was a distinction that was made a few decades ago, which is now not not really yeah. taken seriously. So an American and then an American president. Oh yeah, there we go. See, there you go. That's the difference. Okay. So so we yeah so we have this little girl who's uh, at least a sociopath, if not a psychopath. She's on the spectrum. Yeah, she's somewhere on the spectrum for sure. And she's delightful. I'm enjoying watching not just the actor going bananas with the material, but how it's written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, she was fun. Yeah, she was just fun to watch. But uh, could you have compressed all of her best stuff into a 20-minute short and edit out all of the Power Rangers from outer space? I think so. Yeah. Because this was bordering on Sid and Marty Croft. I mean, this was like... Uh, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed the weird puppetry that they employed. Okay. Because it was so sort of antiquated and... Yeah. And cheap in a way. Out, outside their budget, they budgeted for one monster, then they added six more. I think they were well done. I thought they looked good, and I thought they were they were fairly inventive. Yeah. Um, I just wish they had done a little more as far as the story went. It just seemed like it... They didn't seem crucial to the plot. They seemed added. I don't know. Mm, I don't think there was anything crucial to the plot. <laughs> yeah, I was I was out pretty early on because it's like, oh, another 80s retread. I, mm. I've been tired of those for decades already. <laughs> yeah, I was tired of those yeah. in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's a black character, and guess who's the first one gets killed off? Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was out of it pretty early on. So is this a Canadian production? Yes. Yes, yes it is. Another Canadian movie. And you know what? I'm going to count The Pit as Canadian, too, because it was made in Wisconsin, and that's just southern Canada. It's practically Canada, is what you're saying? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, this, this felt like a trauma tokusatsu film yeah and but i i imagine if you're watching it at a festival with a, a loud crowd this would be fun yeah where, where people just didn't care that the story is going nowhere and they're just looking for the next gag if you're really really high watching this uh and you're with a rowdy group maybe that would help yeah, yeah maybe yeah the galactic federation people uh yeah, I think if they had tried to do something where they had to contain Psycho Gorman from doing whatever things he was bent on doing, and they were somehow losing control, like they had, they had gotten control, but somehow he was able to sort of regain his powers or be able to battle. But just having the girl have ultimate control over him, just that flattens pretty much the uh the plot it doesn't doesn't let it ratchet it up for that aspect of the plot anyway yeah um i wrote down what i think was my favorite line out of this whole thing uh well there's there's two of them three of them okay uh when she told when uh, the little girl told her brother keep shoveling numb nuts <laughs> that was pretty good um 
Uh, do you have a name, Monster Man? That was pretty good. And then toward the end, when that woman shows up from the Galactic Federation, uh, the the girl asks, "Why? Who's the skirt?" <laughs> it's like such a 1930s thing for a little girl to say, which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah. Who's the skirt? Hit the bricks, Rummy. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, it, it lost it lost me pretty early on. I was so excited for like the first fifteen minutes, and then I could see that it was it didn't know what to do past that point. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that that's pretty much where I started to uh, do the ironing. Not I didn't literally start to do any ironing, but uh, mentally in my mind, I was like thinking how nice it would be to be ironing. Yes. Mm. But it did feel kind of like a, a Power Rangers met with uh, Sid and Marty Croft and uh, like Sigmund and the Sea Monsters or H.R. Puff and stuff or something like that. Yeah. It wasn't quite that bad. Land of the Lost. I don't know. Um, so, Jolien, you made it through the whole thing? Yep. And uh, what, what did you think of their big glorious ending? <laughs> it was an ending. I I did like that was, he uh, he attacked the town at the end and they just oh, yes. let him. Yeah. So he was, you know, he set fire to things. Yeah. I remember there was like a there was a cop and they did the video drum gag where his his handgun turns into a literal handgun. Oh yeah. Fuses into his oh, yes. arm like in video drum. Yes, that's right. That had to have been a, a nod to Cronenberg. Um, I thought everyone was horrid, so that's another thing that reminded me of trauma films. Yeah. Everyone was bad to each other, even the family members. Yeah, they they uh they have to use a um a battle of choice at the end and the of course they choose Crazy Ball as mm-hmm. the as the big battle to decide what happens um according to the Templar's code or whatever. <clears throat> and so the so the girl chooses crazy ball, and uh, um, yeah, yeah, we end up with pretty a, much done with it. But yeah. Psycho Gorman becomes gigantic and huge, and he's going to be flying through space to kill the rest of the uh, the rest of the the Federation, the Templars, whatever. Once he finishes destroying. I don't know where they're the outskirts of Ontario or wherever they were. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they 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 ended it. You're right. The ending was an ending. From now on, I'll be checking to see if it's Canadian. <laughs> Can we blame? And if Cronenberg's not attached, I don't want it. Yeah. Even if it's his kid. Well, maybe. If it's not David Cronenberg. No, I want you to look for another kids in pit. I'll look. I'll, whatever I'll pick will be that. Oh, it's so bananas that uh, that you got three in a row that were kids with pits. Yeah. So, uh, how about recommending this thing, Jolien? Can can you recommend it? Uh, it's a good looking production. Main cast are good. Uh, it's impressive uh, what they got out of their budget. You know, number of monster costumes, etc. But uh, I just didn't enjoy it. Um, Watch, yeah. Watching it on your own on a streaming monitor is uh, is not the way to watch this kind of movie. How about you, Will? I feel about the same. Okay. So uh, yeah, if you could watch this at like a festival or something, yeah, go for it. But maybe Halloween with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you worked in an art supply store and you knew a bunch of drunk stone people, <laughs> yeah, I'd invite them over and watch this. Yes. See, yeah, I think I think you, uh, I think you zeroed in on the idea here, you guys. It's, it's you just got to have a fun group of people and uh, make sure they're all really lit. Yeah. In, in whichever way they get lit. I, yeah, I I can't recommend this as a serious movie or to a horror fan as like, oh, here's a horror movie you should see. Uh, yeah, the, the kids are hilarious. The dad is just such a, um, uninvolved boob <laughs> and he's just funny. I mean, and, and I looked up the actor and he's in a bunch of stuff that is kind of on par with this. And I think that's just what he does. Mm. He's the, uh, 
the kind of uh, goofy B-movie actor. He just gets cast in stuff like this. And he seemed familiar. He almost seemed like Jason Lee. Hmm. You know, from the uh, Chasing Amy kind of era. That is Jason Lee, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not confusing him with another. Not Jennifer Jason Lee. That's the one I didn't want you to confuse him with. You know, in The Hitcher. Or Stan Lee. Or, or yeah, or Bruce Lee, for that matter. Or Bruce Lee. Yeah. Or Lee Van Cleef. I can't believe that Lee family is so talented. Yeah. (laughs) There's more of them than the Carradines. A lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that's about it for Psycho Goreman. Uh, it's on Shudder for any listeners who just for some weird reason listened to this and didn't see it yet. Uh, next time we're going to get together and talk about Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demi movie. Um, was it 97, I want to say? 1990. 1990. <laughs> Why did I say 97? I have no idea. We should edit that out, but... Yeah, they'll yeah, forget. We, but we, we don't want to appear unprofessional. We no. wouldn't want that at all. We're going to watch movies like Psycho Gorman and take them seriously. Yes. You know, like we could have classical music playing in the background. Psycho Gorman was 2020, by the way. Right. 2020. Yes. Not 1997. To... <laughs> Psycho <laughs> Gorman. From now on, all movies are 1997. <laughs> if you can't think of what year it is, just say 97. It's believable. It's totally believable. <laughs> okay well let's uh call it a show get out of here and uh and do this again so listeners next time you're going to want to watch silence of the lambs um and there's not a rob zombie remake of it for you to confuse it with so we'll be good all right listeners thank you for listening i don't care about hunky boys or do i